it's cool because the final episode of the first season of episode 24 is called uh end of a prologue or end of the prologue and at the very like the very last like series of scenes or the very last scene is they're flashing all around like the world showing like characters that we've never met in the show as if they're going to be central later on so as as if to say that the entire first season was just like a prologue i think that's pretty that's pretty innovative you know all of the major all of the major adults have died at the exception of um leif erikson the the viking who discovered north america uh the new world um, it's just been it's just one season that's been on so far yeah, 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 I believe so. Um, twenty-four episodes. It's really good, and I, I it's over. And the ending was a little slow. Thorfinn, the the main character, he is he gets called like his anger and like the way he is. He's so emotional and like aggressive, and like that's why he keeps losing the fight to like the guy who killed his dad, who also raised him, because like he just goes into anger and he gets angry and he 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 can't like you know, contain himself and control himself. And that's why he loses. And uh, Asklad, the character, like who he was trying to kill, like calls him out for it finally. in like episode 22. And he's like, you do, you being this way is not going to, you're not never going to beat me. And then the very end, he dies after he's killed by someone else. He dies in Thorfinn's arms and Thorfinn's like, like suit, like, aggressively like very like like throat breakingly angry um throat breaking that he didn't get to kill this guy uh and he the guy is saying to him to kill him uh like just just kill me now and he's he's like dead and dying bleeding out he can't fight back and thorfinn like wants him to stand up so they can fight again and he doesn't and then like he's dragged away to prison because he tried to kill someone he tried to kill the new king um, ironically, who he had traveled with the whole time. So and the ending of the show, the, the season was really, really good. And it's sort of like, and that combined with a few like, you know, social media posts, I'm kind of tempted to like try to get back into Attack on Titan now. And I, and like watch from the beginning and finally finish it. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, 100%. I'm currently doing a rewatch of uh, Attack on Titan. Obviously, um, the show is not finished yet. It's got to come back for another, like for the last half of the, of the final season uh, in the winter. But um, um, there's so much, there's so many things to like pick up on once you've like gone far enough in the show and you've learned more about what's happening. Um, but I will say, I don't know if Vinland Saga is based on a manga, but if it is, you might be waiting a couple of years for them to um, <laughs> come back and continue the show because they usually have to wait. Depending on how much of the manga they've already covered, they may have to wait until there's enough material to do another season. Uh, that was otherwise you'll get filler. Yeah. So like attack on Titan, right? Season one came out in 2013. Season two didn't come out till 2017. Um, wow. and then wow. two was only 12 episodes and you had to wait like another two years for season three. Um, and, and that's why I dropped off, man. Finish it off. But no, honestly, attack on Titan is an amazing show. It's probably my favorite anime, if not one of my favorite shows of all time, just because wow. of how well it's done and pretty much all the questions you have are answered, which I, you can't say for a lot of shows. Uh, mm -hmm. like compared to like Evangelion where it's like, you have a lot of questions um, and good luck with that because uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if you don't understand your Buddhist philosophy and your ex, uh, you, what, what is it? Your um, really deep Christian theology. The show doesn't really uh, <laughs> click I think, in terms of explanations. I mean, honestly, I think the problem with it is like a lot of times it, 
the problem is it, it isn't deep Christian philosophy. They've just thrown a bunch of terms and things at just like at the wall to see what sticks. And if you try to make sense of any of the way they've put it together, it's that's like, anime. This is you're talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. Yes. Evangelion, Evangelion. Evangelion. Um, it's fun. OK, because I, I've heard it talked about a lot and I've heard it's good. And like people who like were sort of raised in like hard, like American South, like Christian households like really enjoy it because it's sort of like oh i know all this lore essentially like this backstory um, i mean that's the thing you know like the terms like when they talk about the lance of longinus you're like oh i know what that is but at the same time it doesn't really just because you know what it is uh in a, in a biblical sense or in a christian sense it's not going to help you understand what it is in the show yeah. there's no explanation as to it's one of where it comes from or why it's like humongous or anything it's they just they just yeah. wanted lance of longinus because they thought it sounded cool and uh th that's that's that i i kind of disagree with that because one of my favorite things is the fact that i think a lot of the designs for the quote-unquote angels actually comes from biblical descriptions you know what you are right so you say something yeah i think there is so it's weird it. yeah so it's this weird blend of of asian style with or japanese style with these biblical descriptions and biblical angels have become more and more popular or what is it people are posting like uh pictures of biblically accurate angels these days i notice on my facebooks because mm -hmm. i'm old people and i i still use the facebooks mm -hmm. um and and yeah it's so bizarre like it's it gives me a new appreciation for that that so series on I will, okay so i will i will walk back a little bit of what i said but i still maintain that there's a lot of stuff that's just kind of thrown in there without giving a lot of thought to it um hey man that's anime they love european names and ideas like how many times have you heard the name jaeger in a in a in an anime yeah they love that name pacific like it's like it's the, my, one of my problems with Pacific Rim, other than the fact that it's they're terrible movies. It's that like the 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 robot. It's in the Pacific Rim, right? So the monsters being called kaiju make plenty of sense. Japan's right there, but for some reason the the <laughs> robots are called Jaegers, even though Germany is like <laughs> literally on the other side of the world, right? Uh, I love that stuff. Yeah. So you have to you have to go into uh, Evangelion. I mean, I, I think part of the charm of it is that you know there are. There are some answers to be had, but you have to kind of work through them yourself and like talk to other people. Um, but at the same time, there are certain things that are, are, are just kind of raised. And I don't know if it's, you know, partly, you know, that the creator maybe changed his mind at certain at certain points. But there's like like if you try to figure out the difference, um, at least in the TV series between Gendo's plan and Sele's plan, um, you 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 really can't. I think they make it a little clear in the in the movies that are retelling the the, the series, but like I, I kind of get how their goals might be different, but exactly the means to achieve these goals, how though how that might be different. It's like because I just did a rewatch of that with friends as well, and um, yeah, we really it's, come to a conclusion. There's a huge love hate with that anime. And I love the fact that there's such a polarized reaction to it because I I, I think it's per perhaps one of the most artistic animes for that reason because it's so interpretable uh, despite its very clear narrative. But there is so much to interpret in this anime and there's so much to love and 
hate about it. At the same time, there's so much to infuriate you, like Shinji. Uh, but it's still, it's still that that's the thing. It's art, man. It's it really plays up to the idea that evokes a lot of thought and emotion without spoon feeding us uh, that you gotta become Hokage. And I respect that. Another thing that I think is interesting, like uh, I don't know if you've read the manga of Evangelion. Nope. But but there's 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 a little bit more information in there. Certain things are presented in a different way. And when you when you think about um because like uh like like Evangelion, I guess they kind of took inspiration from like like the Greek for gospel, like is like it's like it's Euangelion or Euangelion, I think is how it's pronounced. I'm not too sure. Um, um but just the idea that there's different interpretations of this story, the manga, the TV series, the retelling of movies. I mean, it's kind of similar to the gospel in that way, in that there's different things to interpret in it. And there's different kind of tellings of the story. Uh, That's the first time I've ever heard that, Matt. And I, I really love that concept. Thank you for sharing that with me. I mean, it's just, it's just an interesting way to think about it. There's, there's, there's different texts. And, and different ways to uh, to understand what's being told, um, and I, I think that's an interesting element of of the show or the that property. If we have uh, any Greek listeners out there, you can DM us on Instagram at Harmonica Brothers uh, to tell us if, if Matt is correct. <laughs> it's definitely I don't, I don't my pronunciation could be wrong, but it's it's definitely uh, very similar. Uh, it's like E-U-A-G-E-L-I-O-N, I believe um harmonics is that what our fans are called harmoniacs uh, harmoniac harmaniacs harmaniacs i like that harmaniacs <laughs> um I, the, I think the story behind evangelion and the way it was created and the way that the show ran out of money and that it ended the way it did and fans got pissed off and um and demanded it be finished properly uh, I think that uh, is, I think it ties into what we're going to uh, talk. Yeah. I think that ties in really well to what we were going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, but speaking of like historical animes, I, and it's, you know, I think we've talked about a lot of, a lot about on the podcast about, you know, Netflix's anime stuff and how I think you, we talked about Dota Dragon's Blood that you really liked it. We didn't talk about it on the podcast. We talked about it during our Star Wars game um, yeah. last time we guys spoke, but like we all we i think we all like castlevania you know and they're going to be making a fourth season it's an awesome it's a phenomenal show uh they just released the trailer for yasuke which is a historical anime by netflix based on the uh story of um the a the first or and possibly only black samurai he was an ethiopian man who had found his way to japan via his via he had he had become i believe he was a slave of a portuguese mer merchant who had made its made his way to, or a Dutch merchant who had made his way to Japan, and he um, either won slavery or because there wasn't slavery in Japan, he had to be legally freed. But he ended up becoming a, a samurai. And it's, this is a historically accurate uh, person. This is an actual person, and um, he's being voiced by voiced by the same guy. I am kicking myself. He was just in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, but uh, the main character. Uh, opposite uh Dan Kalu Daniel Kalua but uh, I cannot recall his name for the life of me but he is voicing Yasuke in this anime and uh, I'm really looking forward to it and it's giving me hope of other sort of more obscure figures in history being adapted into ironically 
a Japanese style. Now, now Kai just held up a book on camera because we're doing Google Meet at the same time we're recording this. This is a manga called uh, The Color of Rage by Kazuo Koki and Sesaku Kano. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, and it literally is two slaves free themselves from a slave ship, one Japanese man, the other an African-American. After escaping, they find themselves on the shore of Edo-era Japan, a society with a strong caste system isolated from the world. How will the Japanese people perceive this giant black man? How will they survive? But first things first, how will they get these shackles off their feet? So I, I'm, I really wonder if I, it's based I, on it, I don't think so, because the, the Yasuke one is based during... It's it's the, the actual... It's not a story. It, the actual events took place in, like, the mid, like, 1600s. Okay. Before America. Then this might be based off the historical events. Um, well, if it's an African... But, he's, yeah, Af I'm, he's African-American, probably not. And it's also not Edo. It doesn't take place in, you know, like, the Edo period okay. later on. Um, but it gives me hope, personally, because there's plenty of, like historical like figures who haven't gotten their dues in terms of like media my i always come back to the black count thomas alexander dumas the author alexander dumas father who was a black guy who was you know the highest ranking black guy in a western military until um i believe until until colin powell came along uh, as secretary wow. of state uh, uh not a military position but it's in government um, yeah, and I, I watched the trailer and it looks awesome. And, uh, yeah, I cannot recall the, <laughs> the actor's name. I'll, we'll edit it in if I remember. Um, but, uh, yeah. I, uh, I hadn't heard about that show. Um, sounds good though. Yeah. yeah I'm going we'll to go find out. Give me a second. <laughs> I'm going to get Google. radio magic people, yeah. radio magic. Uh, well, while we're waiting for Sam to, uh, find out, uh, Kai, what what do you think of the ending of Evangelion? Because this is going to tie into uh, our, our discussion yes. today about about endings and which ones we like, which ones we don't. TV series, movie ending, like like both, like neither. You know what, man? A, it's been a while since I've watched it because the most recent uh, most recently that I've watched it was when it came uh, came out on Netflix, right? Um, so I did do a rewatch on Netflix. I watched the ending. I I don't know if I can say that any of the endings. Um, Lakeith Stanfield. Let me say this about, That's it. Sorry? Lakeith Stanfield. I'm kicking myself for not knowing it. Fuck. In regards to the endings, I think they're all satisfying in different ways. I think the original TV ending was philosophically satisfying. The movie ending was uh, graphically and visually satisfying. Uh, the... Any other ending, I don't even know. Um, like, I've watched that weird... Okay. Confession. I actually had... Um, so one of the one of the rebirths or one of the retells, re-edits on, on VHS a long time ago. And it was basically this... It was like one giant clip show that oh, yeah. showed the most important parts of it. Yeah. And then uh, with, like, these oldie-time... Uh, what is it like these oldie time text moments yeah. like in the middle of each thing and then it had an ending of its own which was really bizarre but well i thought each ending had a different element to it to to give it a sort of completeness which i was okay well with. i i don't know if, if what you're talking about was um was death which was like um like uh 
yeah, a kind of a clip show of everything that had kind of transpired up to that point. And then it was followed by Rebirth, which was like the first half of the end of Evangelion. Um, yes. I, I, I would agree with you that I think there's both endings have something to offer. Originally, I hated the TV series ending because I'm somebody who really like is, is mainly interested in the plot, you know, not necessarily... I, you know, I was more interested in seeing the plot resolved because there were so many things that had been brought up. And while it was, you know, while there were elements in the TV series that kind of addressed it, but but not really, um, the end of Evangelion was more focused on that. But doing this rewatch, yeah. I've actually found the TV series ending to be more satisfying than the movie ending. Because mm -hmm. yes, it doesn't really deal with the plot that much. They do mention the instrumentality, instrumentality project. But I think the message of the TV series the series ending is is better like in the end shinji is a i mean spoiler alert i don't know if sam cares really anyways i don't think it'll even make yeah. sense no if you i just it. think yeah seeing kind of his his character arc kind of resolved that way um was was, mm -hmm. was was more enjoyable and and now that i kind of go back and watch the movie i realize yeah they they kind of deal with plot elements but not really in a very satisfying way like it kind of raises mm. even more questions and I, I can't believe you, that's I can't, the thing. I can't believe I, I you guys somehow found that, your way back to neon Genesis Evangelion. I think it's one of those stories that wonderfully grows with a person in that each rewatch, each subsequent rewatch, because you have grown, because you have understood the world in, in a new way, the show takes on new meaning to you. And I think, or you see different elements of the show, or you connect with different characters in different ways yeah. throughout it. And I think that is one of the strongest points of this show is its rewatchability. Even if you feel unsettled or or disgruntled by the way it ends, I think it's entirely possible that I, I if it's all out now, I would watch it. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Of course, it's only twenty six episodes, episodes plus the movie. Uh, and then, like I said, there are there is a, a retelling, which is four movies total. The fourth one just came out in Japan. I've been trying to avoid spoilers because I don't want to know how the new version it, it did. Out? Finally, finally, I think it's been in development. Like, so the yeah. first movie came out in like 2007, 2008, and the last movie has only just come out. So it's like a, a, a 12, 13 year But there's a reason why. There's a reason why the the director he actually went to work on some of the most recent Godzilla That's right. movies. You're correct. Yeah. So um, just oh, I was just gonna say, oh the, the other I think strong point of Evangelion is it is really um, a, a show or like I said there's also a manga telling and and you know the movie that ends it. It's it's a show that really begs to be watched with you know with a group of people or at the very least for you to watch it and then talk about it after it really kind of encourages like there's a social element so that you can just discuss it um because mm -hmm. the answers aren't just spoon-fed to you there's different interpretations like when i was doing my my rewatch uh one of my friends uh explained something to me and i'm like oh man i didn't even like like it didn't even occur to me that 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 could be what's going on again i don't want to get into it because i don't want to spoil no. it yeah because but, just because of the way you talk about it i think like and the fact that we talk like this, we talk during our Star Wars game. I, I, I think I will watch it. I will only watch it before we record this podcast. Um, and I think sure. that's a good way. But I did want to talk about Yasuke a little bit. Uh, yeah. So I'm kidding myself for not remembering Lakeith Stanfield because I loved him in Get Out. I loved him in Judas and the Black Messiah, but I can never remember his name. I don't know why. 
Uh, the series will take place in an alternate reality version of feudal Japan, reimagined with magic and advanced technology. After the fall of Oda Nobunaga, um, a boatman named Yasuke puts his story past a legendary ronin known as the Black Samurai behind him. Uh, and then it goes on about you know some super supernatural elements of the show. But here's the thing: so I was I was wrong about the timeline. It's a hundred years earlier than that. Ethiopian. It was an Italian uh, priest, not a Portuguese one. But it's created by Lashawn Thomas, and I recognize the name. He did Black Dynamite, which was shown on Adult Swim. He also did Cannon Busters, which is an amazing. I had anime no idea. On I Netflix. knew he. I didn't. I knew he was involved. I didn't know he was the creator of them. He created the Boondocks. Which I which I, I've loved yep. for forever since it came out. I think it came out when I was like, oh gosh, I think it was I was like nine or ten when it came out. Um, and he also worked on uh, very intimately with Brike, with Brian and Mike. Uh, he worked on the Legend of Korra as well. So like, I'm not this surprised. this just tells me that Yasuke is going to be an awesome show. And I think like, I'm especially in a time where we're like highlighting like sort of where you know what's the word I'm looking for where like media and pop culture are highlighting like. Black characters and like black historical figures in sort of new light, and this looks like a very new and exciting take on us on the story. I would have preferred something a little more like not gritty, but a little more like historical epic in like the vein of like a Ridley Scott movie. Um, but like you know, the magic and advanced technology layering in um, into this to this Yasuke show, I'm really I'm really fucking excited about it. Now, Sam, for our listeners who kind of hear Ridley Scott and, and squint confusingly when you say historical. Historical all epic. They can think of like it's Blade Runner and stuff. Ridley Scott. And oh, I, when I think of Ridley Scott, I think of Gladiator. Gladiator. I think of, that's the big one. Gladiator is the big one. <laughs> okay. That was Ridley Scott. I was, I was just like, what? No, I, if I guess, I guess Blade Runner could be theoretical historical fiction. No. Or future fiction. You know, but like I think I think about him for his like uh, or like Kingdom of Heaven, um, Robin Hood, um, Black Hawk Down. Um, those oh, are yeah. all historical epics, right? Sorry. There you Alien. go, listeners. That's what he was yeah. referring to. Oh, not so, Blade Runner. Oh, Stop being oh, so Alien, confused, man. listeners. No. I actually yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I love to read historical biographies, especially with that journal narrative journalistic take. That is very easy that they put into mm -hmm. movies. And John Legend, if you're listening, has had the has had the film rights to the Black Count for like almost ten years. He still hasn't made a movie, <laughs> so I think he might turn it into a musical. I would, I would honestly, but that. like you could make it a musical for sure. It's the French Revolution. It's you know there's it's but also there's plenty of French Revolution musicals. Um, but also sort of putting in like the race element and like sort of exploring that would be really really cool. Mm -hmm. um, Especially because he didn't end. He didn't marry. He married like a white woman. His children were like all very all white presenting. I think most of them were anyway. Uh, he was a he was a he was at one time an acquaintance and later the arch nemesis of Napoleon. Uh, and they, they we are not talking about John Legend. No, okay. No. Yes, you're right. Okay. Just uh, making sure. Uh, the guy who played Napoleon Dynamite, whose name I cannot also can't remember, is a, the arch enemy of John Legend. And that's a movie I've not watched. I don't think it's that amazing, but it's it's kind of just one of those films that a lot yeah. of people have seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But speaking of black creators, Falcon Winter Soldier, guys. We all caught up? We all caught up? Yeah. Yes. 
guys all episode up. five was probably like episode three was my favorite episode because it brought in isaiah bradley but now episode five is my favorite so Goose probably man. like Goosebumps. the isaiah scene the fact that elijah is like very eli is very present which i like because we've, we've officially got the whole young avengers the original young avengers crew you know we're well we're waiting on like iron lad but we've got jonathan majors as kang now so i think iron lad will be coming soon but uh the by far the best part and it was pointed out to me by someone and then i went back and i rewatched it i've watched episode five three times already <laughs> twice oh, wow. yesterday and once this morning uh there's in the scene where he's running and training right at like near the very end if you watch him he's running on the right side of the road remember in fit winter soldier when steve would come up behind him and he'd say on your left that's right like, and it was that's it was right. that little thing and i was like that's bullshit and i went back and i watched it i was like and my, my jaw hit the floor that like someone not only did someone notice that's that a sweet, that's not a only sweet someone noticed that but they did that scene and it was it was a great episode like everything happened exactly as i as it was it was perfect also you know now i now now i have to simp for bucky some more because now he's flirting with sarah with sam's sister that was hilarious of course uh i one couple of things stood out to me in this episode one zemo is a freaking amazing character i really really hope honestly he comes back. i think because um, of claw amazing acting with andy circus um, being like the kind of the kind of actor he is i think they they basically because in like the comics after he died ulysses claw like becomes like a living piece of energy you know computers sonic powers what have you I could see him like infesting some like vibranium and get because like vibranium vibrations, they've sort of emphasized that in the MCU, him basically mm -hmm. taking all those powers and being resurrected. And in the raft, I could see like Zemo found with like Captain Ross founding either the Thunderbolts and then that transitions into the Masters of Evil. And then like I could see like they make a see, I could see them making like Captain America and the Masters of Evil like movie. And then like also they make a second season of Captain of of this show uh but i think uh what is it in later on in the comics um in thunderbolts comics it's u.s agent who is the person who uh commands the team um after it's taken away from luke cage so uh if they're setting up these characters then thunderbolts could be a legit uh creation coming up from marvel studios uh, he was amazing in this episode as well. Um, brilliant acting. I really thought Julia Louis Dreyfus was coming, uh, cameoing as Veep. Um, and I was like, I thought they, <laughs> before, they, before she adorable. said her name, before they talked about Val, and she's in like in the comics. She was like Nick Fury's like main squeeze for most of the comics, like or like a romantic partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Um, goes by Val, all that stuff. Um, but like it also, the, this episode also, I think, pretty much confirmed that Sharon is the power broker. They brought back Josh St. Pierre, and I was yeah. like, Josh! every time he comes on screen, I'm like, Josh St. Pierre, the first Canadian in the MCU. Um, but he's not playing a Canadian, <laughs> like, <sighs> bullshit. no, I, I like I liked his moment where he's just like, I just want to kill the Falcon, I don't care about your, then, your revolution. In, I'm not a part in of episode six. Watching Torres comes up, like, I'm the Falcon now, hands on his hips. <laughs> That would yeah, be I don't think cool. they do it. I don't think they have him like in the suit, but I think they have him like repairing them and like uh, basically being like, yeah. And I think he's got, but I think uh, Sam does have wings now. I think he has like, he does have like new wings. 
He got the Wakandan wings, but I think they're going to be I think red, white. It's gonna, I'm sort of, we saw a hint of white in the suit. So in the episode, so I think it's going to look a lot like his, like Captain America costume, which has a lot of white in it, especially near like mm -hmm. the, the neck and the face and the, the, the shoulders. Um, they put him in red and blue uh, during that montage yeah. for a reason. And I thought that was a really nice touch. It was subtle, but I thought it was a really nice touch. Uh, and Matt, you got your training montage. How did that feel? Um, I mean, it was really well done. Did, it, did it fill out I the story a bit know, for you? Whether it was, the, you know, even if it hadn't been there, I don't really think um, I, I would have had a problem with it only because it's, the show is just so well done and I'm so invested in these characters. And honestly, like mm -hmm. when I'm watching it, it's very easy to forget that, oh, this is also a universe where like giant purple uh, aliens try to like snap half of the population into existence and things like, yeah, the three, yeah, yeah. What is it, wizards? Uh... What is it, wizards, androids, and aliens? Yeah, androids. You, because it's, it feels yeah. so grounded and so real and the, and the topics that they're dealing with are so, you know, resonant that it's, you forget that, oh yeah, this is also, this is also the same universe where the Guardians of the Galaxy are flying around and there's a talking raccoon. Um, oh, all right, bet, bet, bet. <laughs> Uh, Bucky <laughs> discovers D and D, and he runs a game for uh, Sam's nephews. But like, here's the oh, thing. Here's that. the thing. The one thing, like, I think also two things about like the whole Shield training scene. I think it shows that like, if you're not a super soldier, this is what you have to go through to be able to use this shield. Not just like, like back mm -hmm. and forth, like with like what John Walker was doing. Right? He was hitting. It was hitting something once, and it would come back to him. But he like Sam is learning how to hit multiple things just like Steve did. I think that's very like resonant, resonant. But also the scene where his ne his younger nephew is like tracing his finger along the shield. For me, that was so mm. reminiscent. Gonna make I think this will make us all emotional. That was very reminiscent for when I would see Chadwick Boseman interacting with like young black boys and black kids who would who be finally able to see themselves mm -hmm. in a superhero. And I think it was very like rem reminiscent of like those sorts of like real life interactions now on the screen. And I think it was very much, it wasn't just like a, Oh, my uncle's Captain America. It was, I think it was some, a little, a little deeper than that. Um, just that little, like tracing his finger on the shield and then them playing with the shield, of course, earlier in that same episode. And for the listeners, I got to say that um, the three of us, Pale you're not. We completely. Kai. We completely accept. What? No, I gotta. I gotta finish. I gotta finish this. I gotta say the Islamic Golden Age. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I I am brown technically, but I'm still pretty pale skinned So I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by this. I understand that the the three pale skins you're listening to are not going to be able to fully delve into the the racial implications of this episode the mm -hmm. way the, the the with with the integrity and that it truly truly deserves because the iconography the message the the interplay between the characters that moment where bucky says mm -hmm. i'm sorry i didn't understand that these were, it was perhaps the most iconographical iconography. Iconog iconographic episode of this series there has been and this is the episode that has actually made me say, okay, now I really love this show as much I as love more than one division. To me, the training, the, the training montage, it highlighted how this black man has to work so much harder 
than those two white super soldiers mm -hmm. and to hold that shield to carry that shield and that to me like that 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 training montage that symbolism was so mm -hmm. heavy and so layered and just seeing him rise up to that and then seeing his nephew touch the shield at the near the end of the the montage that's what really like that that slapped for me that that slapped me in the face that yeah. was just like wow the people who are making this show really have their shit together and i finally get what the show is about and one of the other things i noticed in regarding race was um i forgot i don't know the actress's name and i'm sorry about that but the main villain whose name oh, I Aaron Kellyman, Carly Morgenthau from yes. Solo. The, the, I love the fact that she is so racially mixed and or ambi mm. uh, ambiguous. It really breaks the trope of having a specific ethnicity as your villain. The, the This is a kind of, it flips the script by creating this multi-ethnic coalition of "Quote unquote villains," because I do sympathize with their uh, mm -hmm. with their goals, and I hope that doesn't put me on a list. Um, but but if we have, if the FBI or the CIA are listening, thank you for joining us. That adds more listeners to our Edward Snowden. Welcome to the Harmaniacs. <laughs> but canon. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm happy to see that, and I'm happy to see Marvel really. Uh, such a mainstream platform I think, challenge this. Yeah, like, uh, these just like side little side note on WandaVision was like WandaVision was very internal. It was about one woman's trauma. It was very it was very personal in that way. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, it's more like yeah, like... It was magic. It was cosmic. Uh, Falcon and Soldier is not a, it's, it is cosmic. about Sam, but it's not about how he overcomes it's not, like, there is of course like says trauma that he as a black man has experienced and they're and especially not just living in the world, but living in America specifically, living in the South, which they sort of do come back to. I don't know if Sam Wilson is from Louisiana in the comics, but maybe that's something that Anthony Mackie wanted because he is from Louisiana in real life. Um, although his accent is stronger in real life, uh, I think that like uh, you know, it ended up being I think about that, but then not just overcoming it, but basically choosing to. Like his sister says, you're going to let some grumpy old man like Isaiah Bradley decide for you whether you can Captain America or not. And I think that sort of speaks to sort of the intergenerational wow. trauma. It speaks to how, you know, you overcome something that not your, that your, those came before you, not just they choose not, they not just, they, not they choose not to, but rather he is just choosing to not even engage, right? Which you can understand, which you, which you can really sympathize with. It's interesting, like, we almost get more of the trauma exploration of the internal side, like in WandaVision, from Bucky as the deuteragonist, as the secondary protagonist. Mm -hmm. um, but I think just on a wider, on back on the wide, uh, the show's exploration, like, and seeing, like, so how some, like, how a lot of, like, creators, especially black creators, are, are being, like, gas, we're being gaslit this whole time. Like, oh, the show, saying through episode, like, four, the show wasn't about race. And I'm like, the comic that it's based on was about race. Comics are inherently political. Mm -hmm. You know, the farthest mm -hmm. you could Absolutely. go was make, you know, Steve a scrawny Jewish coded kid. And still you can get that he is okay, this is as this is as oppressed as a person we can put on in a comic book in when when Captain America came out, right? And now 
just how they're exploring that further with Sam and how they did in the comics. Now they're doing it now. And how, now in the MCU, he's actually going to stay Captain America, not like in the comics where he's no longer Captain America. Uh, which is another yeah. bonus to the MCU as opposed yeah. to the Return I mean, to status Marvel Comics has been run by world. the same collective of guys that we shouldn't even say their names, but for a, a very long time who are notoriously like misogynistic and homophobic and racist. So, but Marv, the MCU on the other hand is not. And that's, I think the shining, that's the shining city on the hill anyway, when it comes to Marvel. I guess I, I hadn't thought quite as deeply about, uh, about um, the show. I mean, or, or, or episode five specifically, um, but it's just fascinating. Uh, I think yeah. that's, that's such a, I mean, we're taught, we were talking about, you know, shows like Evangelion where there's so much, that you can take from it. I mean, I think Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, is in that same kind of vein where there's a lot of things to, um, to uh, you know, to, to to glean when you're when you're watching it and to appreciate and many reasons to watch it multiple times because uh, there's so much that you can take from it. I think right. Loki's going to be kind of disappointing, honestly. <laughs> After that, <laughs> this is like so. I think so uh, deep, and Loki's going to be kind of back to that usual kind of like MCU like. You know, kind of goofy at times. I mean, yeah, there's going to be some serious parts, but I, it's going to be more like a popcorn kind of kind of show. I don't think there's yeah. going to be much to read into it. I don't know. Is it fair? I, I got to ask you then, Matt. Is it fair to compare these different genres? Because it really is a different oh, yeah. genre. No, I mean, certainly around. the MCU. That's um, the beauty of the MCU is that there's really something for everybody. If if uh, you know, if, if you like a little bit more comedy, then you know something like Ant Man. Uh, if you're looking for something deeper, then of course, like I think all of the Captain America movies are a little deeper. But you know, particularly Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, mm -hmm. I just meant like like coming out of this this show where like I can't wait to see what happens next. Um, you know, when Loki when Loki comes on, I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'll put it on. Wh whatever. And it could turn out to be really good. Like I don't know. It's just based yeah. on the trailer. It seems like yeah. Uh, you know. Might be a little I, more lighthearted. I I hate the I, I love hate the fact that they did not show yeah, Sam's too. costume. I think like the, the I was not I I, I the, do not remember where I think the suit was just like given to him by Shield in the comics. But like the very fact that it, he's not just the not just like it wasn't just made by like a black tech guy or something that happened to be sort of in Sam's like yeah. little like gallery of allies. Uh, it's made by the Wakandans from like an Afrofuturist, like non-colonized society. I think that's, I think it's not just like powerful, but I think it's just so cool that like, and I was smiling, you know, like Bucky was like, I called him beauty. a favor from the Wakandans. Like, yeah, you did. <laughs> right. And, uh, and like, um, yeah. oh, God, I think I felt like bringing the Wakandans in, uh, but like they left you, they left it. They was, they gave us enough that they left us wanting more and me super excited for like the next black mm -hmm. panther movie and i think like bring the wakandans in and let's and like especially with zemo because he killed uh, king t'chaka getting back to like it's a living breathing world um what was it continuity because like of course the wakandans would be keeping track on the guy who killed their their last king yeah it was it was awesome it was yeah and i think it's i think the falcon winter soldier is kind of like a perfect example I mean, aside from a perfect example of how to make a superhero show, I mean, but you can see there's dark in it, but there's also little moments of like, le like, like levity of humor. I, I think DC could learn a lot. Like if you want to make a show that if you want to make a show yeah. or a movie that's grounded and that, that, that has dark elements in it. Yeah. Um, I think you should kind of follow 
the, the kind of example that, that that this show has has set up. It shows that it is possible without making something completely pessimistic. And I mean, just look at episode five, where like you see that Sam he has he has many reasons to be pessimistic and to to feel hopeless. But you see, you still you always see that hope in him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just when you compare it to to some things like. Uh, some of the DC movies that have come out where everything is just completely bleak. Um, I, I think yeah. Winter Soldier kind of blends. It's a perfect um, kind of combination of the different elements that go into a superhero show or movie. Yeah. I think there's, there's three things that I really want to just jump off of from what you said just now, like not, or to a lesser extent justice league, if they just make, when they just make their God, make their characters, the gods they are in the movies and they're fighting other gods, like with the, the Snyder cut, it comes out awesome. That's just all I'll say with that. I think Falcon Winter Soldier, interestingly enough to me, you take in the music because the same composer is with, as Captain America in the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, uh, that feel the Falcon and the Winter Soldier feels more like a sequel to Captain America two, more so than Captain America Civil War. But also, it's interesting because there are scenes in Captain America Civil War where, like Sam says to like uh, Steve, that. I don't know if there's we can save this guy We're talking about Zemo, right? And now talking to Bucky in episode five, where he's saying, where Bucky says, Can you even be saved? Can she even be saved? Or convinced Bucky uh Zemo says she can't. And then he says, We have to. And then Sam says, taking the taking what Steve told him, we have to at least try, right? It's that whole like iconic Captain America mm-hmm. like comic book quote, like uh when the whole world's telling you you're wrong, but you know you're right. Uh, you know, and they tell you to move. You 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 stand your yeah. ground, and you tell them no. You move. And they, I think like Sam, like Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson is really embodying that. And he's not just like the black Captain Absolutely. America. What the comic was doing and giving that sort of role to him. And, and in the comics, it didn't come out of nowhere. But you know, Bucky had been Cap already. Like there were other people you could have given it to. But whereas in the MCU, it does feel not like it didn't feel earned. You know, it would have felt more earned in the comics. You gave it to like a character like Eli Bradley or, you know, the second uh, the second um, Patriot after him who was called named uh, Rayshon Lucas, who is currently actually Sam's Falcon sidekick. So uh, as Patriot, but uh, it feels a lot differently and more like resonantly earned because you can if you look back you can really see how Sam has grown and changed, right? Like he's also a veteran, mm-hmm. but he worked with guys and he had to come home from the war. Steve never actually, Steve didn't come home from the war until he rejoined uh, Peggy uh, after the events of Endgame. Um, and I think, yes, yeah. Anthony Mack. Anthony um, Mack- I, I want to piggyback on your point, Sam, about, um, about Marvel and DC and, and you too, Matt, and that, I think what this show really gets really nails, and in fact, and WandaVision as well, is that it really embodies the tradition of science fiction and fantasy that it uses these fantastical elements to really focus in on or highlight a character's humanity. And that is something that it's, it, I think it's a lot easier for Marvel to do that because of their very human and limited characters as opposed to um, 
I mean, DC can DC kind of looks at it as God's trying to blend in and understand the people they protect. But with Marvel, it's the characters themselves trying to understand their own humanity or in the case of Zemo or or um, again, I forgot her. Karen Kelly. Um, Carly, which the character or the actress? Yeah. Carly Morgan. The, the yeah. character, Carly. Um, they're trying to trying to to battle with their humanity. Like, how much humanity yeah. does this character have left? How does this character show their humanity? And it's, uh, I think that this show is really pushing at that and really making that. Yeah. Uh, I think like bringing yeah, that like Marvel forefront. is. If you want to boil it down further, I think what you're saying is, tell me if I'm wrong. Marvel is humans who need to fight gods, but are ultimately humans. And DC is gods who fight gods who try to be human. And a lot of the time, like in any story, whether it's Batfleck or the, the Justice League comics from you know last week or from 50 years ago, Batman is like the, is the, the audience's like vehicle for seeing these gods at work. Am I, am yes. I, is that what you're getting at? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's they they approach it differently, and when but we can definitely tell when they succeed. And Falcon and Winter Soldier is one of the best examples of a successful observation of humanity through superhumans. For today's topic, we are each doing a handful of shows, uh, talking about um, shows that either ended too soon or had a rushed ending. I only really have like one and a half. Um, Minor Warrior, which was recently on Cinemax and, H and then later HBO, still unconfirmed if it'll come back for third season. If it doesn't, you know. Uh, oh, no, I think I saw something on IGN the other day or or some website that said there was it was coming back on. Something. Oh well, bully for me. And then the other one I have is Arrow. Which it's it's eighth season. Are you fucking with me right now? No, no I, I swear. I, I think I'm pretty sure I saw something. Google it right now because I, I I would have had no idea what the show was. It's just I remember seeing this headline. I was like, oh wait, isn't that the show Sam likes? Well, like so. And then the other show I was thought I refer to is Arrow because I started Arrow when it started. Like I was a fan of Smallville. I started Arrow, of course. Um, the uh, the ending was rushed. Um, you know, they could have done more. I didn't love the character of Felicity Smoke, but she should have been in it more. She does the character and the act and the actress deserve to be in it more. Emily Bett Rickards, um, who got her start in a Nickelback music video. So, yeah. Um, but uh, name I've not heard in a long time. But for but for the but for pretty much this, you guys are talking about. Shows that ended too soon, or the ending was rushed, or it just wasn't satisfying, and it wasn't what it deserved. So, uh, I guess uh, this is Kai suggested this. So, Matt, you go first. Oh, okay. Um, so, <laughs> I've got I've, I've got three because uh, that was that was kind of the number we were thinking about doing doing our top three. Um, so, number three for me is Batman Beyond, and I know people will say. But, you know, they had that epilogue in uh, Justice League um, or Justice League Unlimited. I don't remember which which series it was. Unlimited. Yeah, in, in Justice League Un Unlimited. But, I mean, for the longest time, there really was nothing. It just ended and then they moved on to, to Justice League. And even though it got that epilogue, which I, lo I love that episode, there's still a lot of stuff that, I mean, we really never got to see. Like, we never got to, to see Dick, Dick Grayson. 
in in the Batman Beyond world. Um, I know they kind of went back to that. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I know there's a Batman Beyond ongoing, but that's not really part of the DCAU. They did kind of try and return initially to the DCAU version of Batman Beyond with something called Batman Beyond or Hush Beyond. And Dick Grayson was in that, but I mean, it, it wasn't the same as actually seeing a continuation of the show. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff. Like, Sam, did you say like, or was it Kai? Did somebody say like in, currently in the comics now, like it, Terry's brother is like his Robin or his... Yeah, so as of the DC, so when DC Universe Rebirth came around, which was, you know, which I, I enjoyed it overall. We won't talk about comics though. Um, Batman Beyond was one of the titles. And first Batman, Batman Beyond was a continuation of a story that had begun late in New 52 comics where a future version of Tim Drake got pushed into the future. Oh, right, like Future's End, right? Yeah, uh, and Terry McGinnis had been killed. Not it wasn't. I, I believe it maybe made it was either related to Future's End or Robin Batman and Robin Eternal. Um, but I can't remember. But Tim Drake was sort of was Terry McGinnis, or Tim Drake um, uh, was taking over for Batman as Batman Beyond after Terry McGinnis died. You know, comic book hinky hinkery dickery shit happened, and. That tear that Tim Drake like no longer existed, and then Terry McGinnis took back over. Yeah, but his brother Matt became Robin with a similar suit, similar sort of aesthetic in Neo Gotham. Um, and as of actually that comic, when I when I sort of stopped reading it around issue, I think it ended around issue thirty six. Actually, um, uh, they had actually introduced and revealed that like. Dick in this version of the future, Dick and Barbara got married, had a couple kids, or had a son, and he's like supposedly he will become the next Robin when the current Robin become when Matt becomes Nightwing, um, and then uh, Tim and Jason are both still around. Uh, it took a lot of inspiration from uh, the Nightwing comic where Dick Grayson is like an eight is like the only former hero who like walked to the government to like Amanda Waller on the government side. Um, and he had a, a son with Starfire in that timeline. It was sort of very similar to that. Um, but yeah, I, I just sort of talked on too long, but that um, the other well, I was gonna say, all of those are kind of like, you know, would have been interesting to see in the DCAU or like variations on those kind of stories would have been interesting to see in the, in the DCAU's version of Batman beyond like, you know, what would happen if he got a Rob and what would happen if there was a Nightwing? Um, I mean, also like what would happen like, you know, when Bruce Wayne isn't around anymore and Terry has to actually be Batman kind of on its own. These are all things that were left unexplored. I mean, also they had, I thought they had some pretty good villains like Blight and uh, what was the name? Ink? Ink was great. Yeah. The Royal Flesh Gang was great. Yeah. And like yeah. making 10, like his Catwoman. Yeah. And they all, you know, all of these stories were kind of just left dangling um, because I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was canceled. I think the creators just decided to move on and do Justice League or something, but I'm not 100% yeah. sure. But I would have been really interesting to see that future more, you know, explored more. I mean, you could actually even make a case that even like Batman the Animated Series kind of ended too soon. Yes, we did finally get to see his final, you know, confrontation with the Joker in Return of the Joker, a Batman Beyond um, movie, uh, ironically. But well, that, that was very much, I felt like, a sort of a spiritual... It provided some finality, I think. Yeah. And and I mean, even Batman Beyond itself kind of shows you what becomes of Bruce Wayne. But the Batman Beyond world, we've never even really seen. Yeah, it's explored in comics, but we've never seen a movie or any live action, uh, t you know, adaptations of it. And so it really feels like we've missed out on something. 
Yeah. Um, Rumors abounded. Like Will Friedle, I'm a huge fan of Will Friedle, and that's where started it. He was, you talk about, you're going to talk about the Shokai. He was the voice of Lionel in um, uh, Undercats. Um, he's talked about it, and he's like, um, he, he's been asked, he's at, he has a line that he gives off every time he's asked, like, what should they make a live action Batman Beyond? And he's like, yes, absolutely, they should. They should cast unknown people. And Clint Eastwood to play Bruce Wayne. And like, there's a little bit of time where, like, Robbie Amell, ironically, Stephen Amell's cousin canadian uh from right here from right here in toronto uh was sort of campaigning to be terry mcginnis and he would be pretty good if he was like 10 years younger um but yeah a live action batman beyond is one of those things where like they could make it and the movie would make a billion dollars like i would much rather the next batman movie be a batman beyond movie than see kind of batman you know Bruce Wayne's story Bruce Wayne again. already again in live action, but I mean, whatever. You can make like a really good make if they can make like a really good like live action, like very cyberpunky, like a six or a six to ten episode like miniseries or first season on HBO Max. Would you get an yeah. unknown to be old Bruce Wayne, or would would that guy be be a name? I think you don't. I think you can't. You don't cast someone. You don't like. I don't know. You don't cast Michael Keaton, right? Or you do. You go all in on something like that. You don't I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch that if they were to introduce a live action uh, Terry McGinnis and Batman Beyond, do it on the Titans show. Bring him into the Titans show, the Titans ha- and oh, then yes. as a time traveling thing, and then send him back, and then that's the start of his. They show. cast a blonde. They cast a blonde, balding British guy to play Bruce Wayne. Titans sucks. And he and he no, and that Bruce Wayne was amazing. I love that Bruce Wayne. Sure, they should have colored his hair, but uh, he was a great Bruce Wayne, bottom line. They had had a scene where he mansplained to the four female members of the Titans. No. (laughs) I would actually... Oh, I didn't... I don't really... The thing is, I never really paid attention while I was watching it. It was more of a background (laughs) show, so I don't recall that part. (laughs) Okay, so let's... I'd rather that the first live action Batman Beyond not be attached to a show that's only quality is that it's good to put on as background noise. Um, okay, fine. Then how about Doom Patrol? You know how, this is the thing. This is the marker of a good show. Sidebar. I needed, I couldn't remember a scene in an episode of Avatar Life to Ever right after watching it. This is the whole show again. So I go back and I watch the episodes. It was the, um, uh, uh, the Firebending Masters, the one where they go to the Sun Warrior culture. It was like the first, like, um, the first of the Zuko field trips in season three. And like, if that show is so good, I have it, I put it on for background noise and I ended up watching it. Right. Okay, I feel you on There's, that. Yeah, there's certain shows that. that can't just be put on uh, while you do something else because like, like they will draw you in. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're, is that your, for Batman Beyond? Yeah, I also would have been interested to see you know, Batman Beyond continuing to interact with the future Justice League. Like, you know, we got we got two episodes, but that was another avenue that like I think there's but like the other heroes in this world of Batman Beyond. Um that lineup ironically was brought in because that lineup go like Kamandi, the last boy on earth, goes to the future, goes to every timeline he can to bring all the Justice League he can for death metal. And one of the Justice League he brings is Justice League on Justice League Beyond. Okay, um, that, sounds, that sounds better. Awesome. I want to read it even more. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, like Superman, uh, uh, Wonder or uh, Bardos. You know, uh, what's his name? Steelwing, Steelhawk. Um, I know who you're talking about, but I don't. Yeah, Attic. also, did you know? Did you? Side note: I found this out today. Milestone Comics is coming back. 
under a yes. DC imprint, and they're re they're resurrecting all the like icon, icon and rocket static. Uh, I, uh, I really want to. I really want them to reprint the originals. I want them to reprint the originals in an omnibus book, and I will gladly. Also, buy you it. know what? It's a way to. It's not only a way for old creators to come back and like revisit their characters. It's a, it's a way for like new creators to be brought up, which I really want. Uh, Sam, you already did your number three. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Arrow. A warrior, I just read it. I just read the story on Van, a, Van, a story on Vanity Fair confirming that it is coming back. <laughs> hey, I was correct. Okay, excellent. Oh, cool. Okay. One of the ex executive producers is Shannon Lee, Bruce Lee's daughter. Yeah. Right. And it's based on the writings of Bruce Lee. It's a phenomenal show. I'm. It's like I'm taking a lot of inspiration from it for like an upcoming D and D campaign I'm going to be running. Um, you know, uh, and I love it. But before it was announced, Sam, why were you disappointed that it was over? Not only did they leave it very open-ended, they were, they had like multiple cliffhangers, like one of the main characters, probably like one of, like the only white woman in the show, um, or one of two, she like is put in an asylum and is accused of like a bunch of shit. And like, it's the late 1800s in America. So like, she's not getting out of that asylum easily, you know? Um, yeah. They're sort of setting up like the main character, Assam, who is supposed to be like sort of the Bruce Lee stand in, in like the season finale of season two. He gets a pair of nunchucks and it's awesome. <laughs> and he's like, they're all actual martial artists in real life and former stuntmen, stunt performers and such, or current stunt performers, I suppose. Um, and they just left a bunch, a bunch of like cliffhangers. He was going to be, he's sort of setting himself up to be like the next leader of uh, the Hop Way, which is sort of the main, one of the main Chinese tongs uh, in that show. Um, at, while he's also like the right hand of the new leader of the Hopway, uh, uh, it was so good, and there was so much more they could explore. They were getting a little more political. Like this, like leader of the Irish mob chose to like stop being a mob leader and like be like start representing his Irish people in like politics and such in Sacramento. Like I represent the Working Men's Party of California. I'm not just an Irish like union and workers like leader uh, who like intimidates and stuff. And, and the moment in that scene, season two, in the finale, they do finally like sort of cross that line. It's like, yeah, there needs to be class solidarity. It's a lot about class, a lot about race um, between like the Irish and like the Chinese, like we aren't, we're putting ourselves against each other for no reason. And the, like the white people on top are benefiting from our animosity. They can just get cheap labor out of it. Mm -hmm. We should be working together. And ultimately it comes to, we're not going to work together, but we're not going to fight each other anymore. And there's an awesome like fight where it's like the white, the white Irish guy with his fisticuffs and classic boxing against Assam with his like Eastern Kung Fu and Assam only just barely uh, wins at the very end. Uh, and that's like the last fight of the episode. And it's, it's a great show. And I'm so happy now that's getting a revival for a third season. And if it, if it gets a good ending, especially, um, I think shows need to do that more. They need to end their, um, see, they need to end seasons, uh, especially when, if it's not like something so, um, you know, uh, where there's going to be an answer so fast on a network. Um, and you have to like beg and scrape to get a good ending because you left your last mm -hmm. cliffhanger, like shows like warrior should be made with like every season ends right and with like openings for like you can imagine other stories right like the end of Young season yeah. of young justice is like that um my other two shows would have been legend of core and young justice but both of them got brought back right 
I mean, yeah. we should say we we decided on this topic because um, I think I, I brought up about how, um, you know, with Picard, um, kind of the, you know, the post-Nemesis, you know, Star Trek universe um, kind of has gone in a different direction and the books that were written essentially don't line up with it, but that they're still planning a trilogy to end that, that literary timeline. And... Um, you know, I, I think that's, you know, trying trying to end stories um, in, in, in a satisfying way for fans is, is pretty important. And that's kind of why we started talking about this. What is your what is your sec? What is your first show, Kai? My for number three for me is actually a book and it kind of falls in line with your your uh, current mood about about revivals, uh, Sam, because it was announced recently that it was going to come back. You guys can Google this right now just so you know what I'm talking about. And that is the comic book series from the late 90s, early 2000s, known as Battle Chasers uh, by Munir Sharif and Joe, the legend, the absolute legend, Joe Madurara. This comic was a fantasy steampunk, crazy visual ride of, of a book. It was nine issues over a wrenching, I think, six years or something like that. And it never finished because Joe Madureira followed his passions away from comics and into the video game world, where he started a studio that would eventually create the Darkstalker, Darkstalkers fantasy? No, not the uh, franchise, not Darkstalkers. Um, what was it? The... Guys, a little help here. The game where you play Death and the of the Four Horsemen, and then you, um, and then you, uh, in the next game, you're playing Wrath. Not Death. Sorry. Uh, there, there's three games so far. The first one you play Death. The next one you play, I think Pestilence. The next one you play War. It's like um, you're, you're. It's like you're speaking another language, bro. Give me a second. I, I'm look looking it up. But like, did you read it as the issues were coming out? Because that would be brutal. I absolutely okay. did. And look at the well, dates where they came out. It's 98 to 2001. You you waited that long for each issue? Like I absolutely whoa. did and I bought every alternate cover because I wanted every little bit of it. I bought the trades even though I had read the books. I love this series and I loved the artist. I loved why, the story. It was so Why do you great. think other than the fact that it ended on a cliffhanger, why does it need to be brought back? I think that that the fans still it was a great story the fans still want it and it is there like, well, like with what matt said i think that's the main thing that like a show needs to be brought back not just because like there's a cliffhanger. the no, fans not want just it the fans want it not just because they're not just because there's a cliffhanger but because there are things they they could explore that would be so enjoyable and so interesting like is there anything really like that like with battle chasers without really me personally knowing anything about it beyond what you're telling me right now. The game was Darksiders, by the way. Uh, okay. He was the creator of Darksiders. So if you've ever like seen the the style, like his his visuals literally translated into yeah, there's someone there's way. someone out there listening. So, I'm about to I don't know what this is. I've never heard Darksiders, but there's someone out there listening like how could you not hear about Darksiders? Basically, yeah. I've never played it. Um I could be quite frank, man. The reason this book deserves an ending is just because it was such a visual joyride. The characters were pretty interesting too. 
um, the story started to like develop these um, subplots and these characters had these dark paths that we never really got to see um, explored. And there's so much to this, so much world building possibilities, so much uh, design possibilities to just go on and on. And um, like just off of that very first cover that they ever put out, that cover image, I was just hooked. It was an amazing series. To this, the thing is, how like two decades later, and fans still accept the fact that they're going to end up buying the the new issues, even though he's not doing the artwork himself. Um, I will still, I'm still a bitch for his for mm -hmm. his artwork because it was that influential when I started collecting comics. One of the first comics I started collecting religiously was uncanny x-men because one day after a boring ass day of grade nine i happened to be walking past my corner store on my way home and i saw this one image of warren worthington still blue but his his metal wings are gone and he's got his his real wings back and i thought oh my god this is going to change everything in the x-men forever i have to buy this issue so i pick it up based just on the cover and the artwork um it, cha it just changes my world it changed the way i saw comics it changed the way i uh, i saw art N not battle chasers uh his um, x-men work um uh joe metara's x-men work so when he announced that he's leaving uh his he left at the top of his game like x-men sales were massive i followed his x-men work I bought anything and everything that had his artwork on it. I have a book of downloaded and printed images that I made in high school of just his black and white artwork to, to pour over. And I went to the Business Depot and I bound it and I still have that book on my shelf because I love looking at his artwork. Um, and it was, it was just so amazing. And his Battle Chasers work took it to an even higher level. And just looking at that, seeing him transition the the genre he was in i just to this day i'm still astounded by how his proficiencies and and um there's it's it just created a place in my heart and in, in my creative heart and i do not want to ever and it's not gonna be replaced by anything anytime soon so i'm happy to go back to it and i'm glad it uh it finally finally is getting its, it's uh it's interesting that you say that, that like still 20 years later, uh, people are looking for it because, you know, I think about after Last Airbender, um, maybe around 20, the show ended in like 2008, 2007, 2008, uh, around 2010, they started releasing the comics, right? The Truth, The, the Search, The Truth, uh, you know, Smoke and Shadow, um, many, there's many more. They just released like a, a very short, like 45 page, like uh, Korra adventure, or not Korra, sorry, Katara adventure, where like, she like realizes she can be tough and all this like she joined the pirate crew and it's only for like eight hours in in the the story of the thing it takes place sometime in book three book two sorry uh after they recruit toff but um uh, all these comics have sort of in avatar have sort of kept i feel while they are not the focus most of the time they have kept people like focused on it and that's interesting for me to hear that you know people are still interested in it when maybe necessarily there hasn't been something for them to focus their like fandom 
on. Mm-hmm. And Core has been over for almost uh, yeah. seven. Has been over for like six or seven years. It started it started airing nine years ago. Longer for Avatar: The Last Airbender. Now I will say, Battle Chasers did release. There, there was a game release, so there is a Diablo-style RPG of Battle Chasers out. And after the last, okay, just to just to let you guys know, uh, the listeners, I don't own any game systems. The last game system I owned was a Sega Saturn. Yeah, uh, and I in the last game I played uh, because I really really wanted to and I had to play it on PC, was a South Park Stick of Truth, which was a phenomenal game. Battle Chasers is the first time I have ever wanted to, since Stick of Truth, that I've wanted to buy a video game and play it all the way through, but I don't know if my computers can handle it, and I don't know if I'm going to have time to finish it, or if I have to be like a part of a guild or something. I hate that crap. Um hate online gaming where you have to be a part of a guild to complete missions. Yeah. But yeah, I would, pl- I would um, play that. Oh, okay. Matt, okay, number my two. number two is angel. Um, you know, the show about a vampire with a soul that was spun off from Buffy. Um, I love that show. Uh, I'm actually starting to rewatch it on Disney plus now that it's on there. Um, so it got canceled uh, after five seasons. It got canceled with enough notice that they were, you know, that they were able to film the last couple of episodes knowing that this was going to be the end. Um, so, of course, some things had to be a little bit rushed, even though there is kind of a conclusion. So basically, I mean, the way it ends is Angel and and and, and the people he's he's with. I mean, they they, they end up just fighting like the, uh, a horde of demons that have been released from hell. Um, and then they just the screen just goes black as the battle starts. And you're not you don't know whether they live or, or die. Um, and they've the you know, they, they've said that. That was similar to how the show was 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 going to end, regardless of when it ended. It was going to be kind of an open ended um, finale, but there was so much that that was left to be explored. They did come back to it, and they did do comics that kind of take place after. So there were, you know, it, it was continued in one sense, but it's not really the same as seeing the actors actually playing these roles. And um, they had just introduced uh, a, a new character, essentially. Um, and and because the ending had to be kind of rushed, uh, you know, we, we don't know exactly what maybe the larger plans would have necessarily been. And, you know, the, the ratings were still pretty good for it. I think when it went off, so there were still a lot of fans. I think there was there was a lot of room for it to grow and continue. And uh, I would have been interested to seeing seeing him continue his quest for redemption. Yeah, I, I you know, I've, I didn't know. I know Angel had like a good run. Five seasons is not a bad run, I don't yeah. think. Um, I think about that. Yeah. I think about shows that have lasted way long. Like I love the Flash on the CW, but there's been a lot of filler over the years. It's a it's a network superhero show. A character like the Flash, you can make that, but you know, it's got it's been. They started production on season. They're finishing production on seasons. Uh, no, they're ha- almost halfway through season seven, and they've been confirmed through season nine. And like I don't. <laughs> They want to get to 10 years. They want to get to 2024 so they can like do their whole like, you know, predictive, like, you know, future telling that they sort of wrote into the show back in season one and two. Um, but like, uh, I think maybe if the show, like from someone who's watched other vampire shows, you know, I watched some vampire dies with my sister. I'm a huge fan of true blood. 
even you know um, i've never seen vampire diaries like i mean i know about it because i think it, it, was, it ended up on the same like because buffy and angel were like wb shows or buffy i think moved to upn yeah. after and i think vampire diaries was like cw which is what those two networks well, true from. blood came around true blood was based on books the city yeah. house novels that came out around the same time that the buffy movie came out the original one and so like around that like you know the interview with a vampire like the yeah. vampire fever um and uh you know true blood show was very different you know but like much in the same way that twilight is a copy of the vampire diaries the vampire diaries is a copy of true blood um and so you can you can see that saga they just get worse the further the further away you get uh but as someone who watched true blood like they started by like season four and they had ended up having like seven seasons they were like retreading ground right like whenever I, I wish shows had continued, I generally like there, there is a, and I think we might've even addressed it when we were talking about our favorite comedies, that there's really a limit to how long shows can go on before they start to suck. And before characters start to be kind of caricatures of themselves. And, but Angel didn't get, Angel never reached that point. Um, there were definitely missteps, many of them in season four. Um, and, and there's a few issues with season five, but it wasn't really an issue of, of there being, uh, necessarily repetition. Um, it, it, it was more, uh, you know, create creative choices that were made. But a large part of the show revolved around this this prophecy called the Shanshu prophecy, and it was that the vampire with the soul angel, um, you know, was going to play you know a major role in an apocalypse, and that after the apocalypse, if he filled filled his role, he'd become human again. I, I think it would 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 be a mistake for him to ever reach a point where he necessarily becomes human and like. You know, he's redeemed and all that because I think a big message of the show was that, like, there's a struggle. It kind of, kind of continues. The fight continues. You have to stand up and, and, and do the right thing, you know, regardless if it's if it's hard or or, um, or, or whatever. Um, but I still think there was a lot more to be explored in terms of, these like, dark times and this apocalypse and that kind of thing. And maybe he could have reached a point where, like, he was offered the Shanshu and he turned it down or something. So there were, there were still definitely story plot points left to be explored and of course when you're telling a story about this 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 you know centuries old vampire who's trying to atone for his past there's always room to you know explore that continuing uh, journey of the character um so i i would have i would have liked to have seen it go on for one to two more years the one of the comics they did after the fall which is kind of like a post-apocalyptic story which does show that spoiler they survived the, the, the fight at the end of the show um i think would have been really cool to see done um on screen budgetary constraints probably would have limited probably wouldn't have looked quite as cool as it did in the comic but i think that would have been made up for by actually seeing the characters playing these roles yeah. uh, so since one of these characters got turned into a vampire uh, in the battle and it just would have been cool seeing him go up against angel so yeah it was disappointing that we didn't get uh, another at least another year of that yeah well like it's interesting because um like maybe 18 months after Angel ends, Bones starts, and David Boreanaz is oh, yeah. in Billy Booth for uh, what, 12 seasons, I want to say. 12 years, and now he's like Jason Hayes on SEAL Team. I have watched the first two seasons. Um, I quite enjoy it. Uh, and I enjoy Bones, too, but again, I mean, I, I, I didn't watch all 12 years. Uh, Bones, is, Bones is my sister's favorite show. My sister does not listen to the podcast because um, she doesn't listen to podcasts. Uh, she hates listening to people <laughs> talk if she can't see them. Um, I love you, Keats. Um but she loves Bones and she loves David Boreanaz. And because of that, yeah. she actually chose to put the work in of watching Buffy so she could watch Angel. 
I would if I was ever going to watch Angel, I would have to watch all of Buffy, and I would that's yeah, starting. The not connected. The movie is non-canon. It has it has no bearing on the TV show. I've seen the movie. I've seen the first like season <laughs> and a first bit of the first season, but like. It was so like the aesthetic was so dated for me that I couldn't get past it. And first that, season, that's something that is personal to me. Like I'm still able to watch like Frasier and Seinfeld. The and first season of Buffy is, yeah, it, it is the most dated. Um, definitely season two is where it hits its stride. Um, mm. I don't know how many of the key plot points you're familiar with. <laughs> it was, I, I, basically, it hits its stride in season two when Angel loses his soul. And that's kind of the whole main part that is really drawn on when you know you go into angel as long as you've seen that part of buffy then you're going to appreciate what's happening in angel all right uh kai what is your second show i'm putting on my weeb hat i'm putting on my weeb hat for this one and for any of uh my fellow shonen nerds uh my, my number two pick is bleach it is an anime uh, it is part of the holy trinity of shonen. Talking about, I'm talking about the anime based on the manga by the same uh, same name by I believe his name is Tite Kubo, and it is a show about a young boy who can see ghosts and basically becomes a samurai ghostbuster. Uh, that's I always that's heard the premise of the show. Uh, I, yeah, sorta. Uh, but it, it's, I think Samurai Ghostbuster is, is closer, is more accurate, because he's basically sending, he's protecting humans from spirits that are going to eat their souls. And the show ended, um, so this show suffered from uh, shonen adaptation. It has a grotesque amount of filler because the show moved faster than the source material did. Uh, and as a result, the show fizzled out um, after one of its major arcs. Um, you know, it basically he had he had uh, the main character, Ichigo, beats his big bad from like day one season one kind of big bad that was really there. And he beats him. And then after that, I don't think they had any more material left. So they just threw in some crap for last season. And it sucked so bad. It was such garbage filler. I don't even know if it was filler, to be honest. But I don't think it was received well by anyone. But point is that it was so shitty. There's really no other word for it. Bleach fans, you have to accept that. The last season was so shitty. Uh, that they just got canceled and the book kept going on and from what I've heard the book ends really really well uh, but we never got to see that animated and there's been a petition and mind you this show aired from October 2004 to March 2012 so again we're talking another show that has been off the air for almost a decade and has still had a constant uh, request and push from fans to see the final arcs be properly animated and the show be given its its. I due think I, I mean I think it's still regard. very possible it could come back. I mean, look, Dragon Ball GT went off the air in Japan in like '96, and in 2015 they started Dragon Ball Super. So, as long as the fans want it, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's a it's a completely different. Um, technically, a lot of people say Dragon Ball GT right, is I not just meant, canon. Like, look at how long there was the no Dragon about, Ball presence on television, and then 
you know, 20 years later, it's back. So yeah, yeah. There's and that's the thing. That's that's yeah. basically the Shonen Godfather. Um, so I, I think I'm I I would definitely watch, and I'm totally a, a Shonen nerd, and I'm totally somebody who did not care for the final season of the the show as it as it stands. So I would like to see justice be given to this character for the fans who so deeply love it. Um, even though I'm I still think Naruto was a better show um, or character. Um, no, I mean Ichigo Bleach is sort of it hit the shonen beats so hard that you could totally predict what was going to happen. Um, you know he's going to level up and scream like Goku, but like in an edge lordy kind of way. So it didn't really provide that that spiritual or mental growth that that uh, that Naruto inspired to me. But I still want to see that. Um, but Matt, what is your your uh, my number one? Um, is Enterprise. But wait a second, Matt. Didn't that show uh, have well, an ending? Yes, it did have an ending. It still got canceled. But again, I think this is another example of they knew beforehand that it was it was getting canceled. And so they, they were able to come up with an ending. Not a good ending. Um, I While I am a huge Riker fan, while I am a huge Riker fan, I did not care for uh, his appearance uh, or Troy's appearance in the awesome. final episode. That was awesome. I think it was a disservice to the actual cast of the show uh, and to the actual storylines that were built up for those characters. Uh, Kai is, of course, he's shot. I am aghast. I'm aghast at these these takes giving me six year time jump between um, between the the penultimate episode and the finale, just so that we could get in the, I guess the essentially the, the founding of the Federation of Planets. It just was so rushed and felt so forced. Hey, I'm glad. I, part of what I wanted to see was the founding mm-hmm. of the Federation. Not like that though. Um, so yes, it, it, it suffered from from being rushed. It suffered from the fact that spoilers. Trip got an unceremonious end, I, which I think they just did, you know, because hey, it's the final episode, so let's just do something um i know he i i know again like the other shows there is a continuation it was in it was in books uh but of course those books even though they're finishing up that that literary universe uh is non-canon essentially um and i i mean i really wanted to see the romulan war i think it sucks that we didn't get to see it in enterprise i think that um it sucks that we haven't gotten even like um you know like a miniseries or something dealing with it that's like a huge uh, that's a huge conflict in the history of, of um, you know, the Star Trek universe, and yet we've never seen it. Just a brief mention of it in in the original series. Well, anyways, I thought they were really good characters, and uh, like I said, I know it wasn't necessarily the most popular Star Trek, but I think maybe over time some some people have warmed up to it. Um, I have. I was someone who was told it sucks. It was it was going to suck, but I ended up loving it. It's probably my second favorite Starship. My third favorite, actually, Star Trek show. It goes Picard or TNG, Discovery, Enterprise. But like just before we go to Kai, um, it's funny you say like it's a disservice because we haven't really gotten much more in that era except for the books and the Enterprise show. Whereas like the TNG era, we get TNG, Voyager, and DS9 all like really making that that mm-hmm. like time like super dense with like action, um, Dominion yeah. War, and you know the Borg and such. But Kai. Yeah, I was going to say I am one of those people that did not give a crap for this show. And I still, to this day, squarely blame this on that horrible garbage pile 
of a theme song yeah. that never should have happened. Shut up, Sam. Shut up. Don't you shut up. Clutch don't my don't pearls. you say it. Don't you sing. <gasps> uh, but once I did, once it made it to Netflix and I could skip that mm -hmm. awful garbage pile of an intro that was poison to my ears. The season, the season one and two um, version is much better than the season three and four. That's like saying a kick. Uh, that's like saying getting kicked to the face getting is better than being kicked in the balls. Is worse. It doesn't like, really I'm, improve it. I'm between Kai and yeah, Sam here. Getting kicked in the balls is worse. <laughs> I'm between Kai and Sam here. I like the song. I just don't like it as the theme song for Enterprise. The ending theme, Archer's theme, that should have been the opening thing. That was. I yes. think trying to get away from. That. I think uh, they were because okay. they were trying to get away I from would... like the very hard sci-fi of the last show was Voyager. Boy, I've watched like two episodes of Voyager, one from season three, one from season seven, purely innocuously because my dad was watching it at the time. Again, my dad's a huge nerd, um, and it has some hard. It is hard science fiction. It is like deep and techno babbly and just utter bullshit. I think with Enterprise, they're trying to make it a little tighter. They're trying to make it a little grittier, right? Enterprise probably has more in common with a show like The Expanse than it does with like DS9, right? Or like yes. Four Mankind or something. And absolutely, that's why it was called for the first two seasons. It wasn't called Star Trek Enterprise. It was called Enterprise. Enterprise yeah. And I think there is something there to it. I think like it getting some sort of true, like canonical conclusion, not just like where they acknowledge and acknowledge in episode one that Trip faked his death, have him rejoin the crew in episode two, and then episode three, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, is like the re is like the true finale. And maybe you show it's like. Picard, or not Picard, like Archer has just stepped down as president of the, this first president of the Federation, you know, other things that they could pursue. I think, I think Matt in the correct column here. My number one, and I'm going to hold this, hold on to this till the day I die. My number one request for a show coming back is the 2011 genius iteration of Thundercats. Uh, a classic show from the 1980s, which ran on, from 85 to 87, and then resurrected from 2011 to 2014 in a brilliant iteration, both artistic and narratively, that went from a monster of the week with a trite lesson to a wonderful story about a king and his uh, immediate group of friends who have lost their kingdom, lost their land, and a quest to uh, discover the truth about, um, about how they gained power and how to, how to control the power. And, oh, there's so much, so much depth to the show. I believe one of the co-creators of Avatar was one of the guiding forces behind this Nickelodeon uh, re- a resurrection of the of the show and i believe that this is a show that deserves a comeback because it's not fair that it was taken off the air simply because the toys didn't sell which i ethan, believe ethan spaulding is his name but i but like that's why young justice got canceled the first time yes that that's why Titans got canceled. that's why um like for most of like history shows were made to make to fuel toy sales he-man she-ra gi joe mighty uh, morphin power cats like watch watch the toys that made us and you get the get the answer like 
like toys. And Thundercats was one of those crown jewels of a show. There was legislation passed because of Thundercats. And the reason why was because the toy makers would advertise during the show. So basically that block, that half hour block of television after school became one big toy advertisement. And parents groups got concerned about this and it became a rule that you cannot advertise the, the toys uh, at the same time the show is going on or something. But bottom line is Thundercats had that level of impact that legislation had to be passed about it. it. It's interesting that you um, bring it up because like it's a, I have never seen it. And but now you talking about it again, I think it's sort of time I watch it. And it's funny I haven't because there's so many like I love voice actors. I love to follow voice actors. You know, it started with Kari Payton and it sort of was uh, with on Teen Titans and he was on Young Justice and that was sort of uh, burgeoned onwards by watching Critical Role, uh, you know, um, Wilfred L, Matthew Mercer, Emmanuel Chikri, who, who is currently in um, small in not Smallville, Superman and Lois as mm -hmm. Lana, um, Kevin Michael Richardson, um, uh, who else is it? Robin Atkin Downs, a big actor, Clancy Brown, Dee Bradley Baker, um, Michael McKean, uh, Pamela Adlin, um, oh, wow, Corey Burnson. Um, I, you know, I'm just surprised I haven't watched it, and I get where you're coming from. Um, and I think, like, I honestly, before Young Justice got revived, I would have said, "Meh." Like, I'll, yeah. I have as much faith in this as I do in that. But I think with I, someone thing with the history of Thundercats, maybe. But have you built it's, it up, or have you watched it again since it ended? Oh, I've absolutely watched it several times. Um, Every time there's always some either visual detail or narrative detail that I that I realize. And the thing is, it's and it's amazing that they have uh, they had a ton of Easter eggs for old ass fans like myself. Uh, they had I don't know if you guys have during the early days of the Internet, the Wild West days of Kazaa and and Napster and Lime. LimeWire. I remember LimeWire. Uh, I was a little yeah. Oh, they the tail into LimeWire and then and then FrostWire. Exactly. So during those days, there was a Thundercats outtake reel that made the rounds on these things, and they had the voice actors basically just swearing at each other, flubbing. And one of the most famous lines is Panthro's voice actor. I forgot the gentleman's name, but he was a genius voice actor as well as actor as I believe Claire's father on the Huxtables. Uh, Kevin Hospital is Panthro. Yes. Um, he once said hey, uh, something about a samoflange and then Lino's voice actor laughs and he's like, what the F is a samoflange? And that joke got taken, that joke actually got uh, referenced, or that, that, that flub, that internet meme got referenced in an episode where a character, where Panthro's characters, uh, sorry, where Panthro says, hand me that samoflange, and another character's like, what's a samoflange? And it's those little things that, that dug into the hearts of old fans like myself, uh, but there was so much, there's so much there for new fans, because if you enjoyed Avatar, I really, really think you would love this show. The elements of technology and fantasy were brilliantly created. The characters had so much depth to them uh, in this new iteration. Um, it, I, I think it's a show that everybody could really find something to uh, connect with. Wow. 
Yeah, I think it looks so cool. I, yeah, I think it, it's cool that like when I, I think about a show like Warrior versus a show like you know Thundercats or Young Justice or Korra that gets brought back, animation is so much easier to revive, and I think that's why ultimately mm. anime, animation is specifically like American style animation because and the, most of the time when anime doesn't come back, it's because it's ended or it's based on something and you're, they don't want to do filler like with attack on Titan. It's funny to me because animation is so much easier, so much cheaper and you get ultimately the same, you can get the same boons, the same benefits, right? Cause like after last airbender makes probably more money since it came out compared to when it came out. Right. Yeah. For Netflix bucks or, you know, the the what like ne the Netflix monies that is are going into Nickelodeon's pocket, which are now fueling them, and I have no doubt in in inside of eighteen months, Avatar and Korra will be off of Netflix and they'll be on like Nickelodeon's own streaming network because they're Ugh. doing a devote because they've got a lot of content, a lot of good content in addition to Avatar and Korra, and then also on top of that, the Avatar Studios. So yeah. you know, I think animation is really like and also with my fables needs uh is really like one of those vestiges like the i think like the last like the last hearth um the helm's deep of like creative creativity because like we're you know we're not going to get an awesome D, D movie we're going to get an awesome yeah. D, D cartoon right and you're and you see little bits of it and everything from castlevania to this dota show which i'm probably going to start watching now it's really great um one of the other things about thundercats that um that a lot of fans may not have caught because of their age is that this show was attempting to okay so thundercats was originally a i believe it was a property belonging to the animation company rankin bass um really and okay the yes did, like, so originally and uh that company right Sorry, they're the, the Rankin Bass. That's the company that did like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and like I think so. Yes, this was a nineteen late like uh, they they were they were in their heyday during the late seventies eighties. So Rankin Bass was also responsible for um, they they created this formula, the Thundercats formula, and then they said, okay, we got something here, let's do it again, and they created a show called Silverhawks, which was about space, I guess, bounty hunters that were cyborgs that had wings that could fly around in space and they fought this bad guy called this actually the space gangsters called uh monstar and his gang and um they tried again the same formula but this time on an environmental slant and they created a show called the tiger sharks which uh, only ran in like little 15 minute segments in a in an animation cavalcade don't remember even what it's called i think it was called comic strips or something like that and um, like it ran next to something called Samurai Pizza Cat and Ooh, Monster Camp Pizza. Monster. Yeah, there you go. So, um, and the thing is, this new iteration of Thundercats actually featured Monstar as one of Mumra's henchmen, and you actually got to see uh, one of the Tiger Sharks, Mako. You got to see him in the background in one of the episodes in the later seasons so they were really trying to create this bigger universe and they were trying to create do something much bigger and it was 
a beautiful love letter. It could have been a beautiful love letter to the Rankin Bass universe and the fans that grew up on that. Yeah. So I would, I, I think, I think that's what really I would want to see is that sort of universe. Like uh, a show like that have a chance. The Rankin verse, the Rankin Bass verse. I'm just, I'm reading about it right now. Thundercats, Silverhawks, and Tiger Sharks. You could really see. In, the, in today's day and age, you could really see like a, a not just Netflix now. You could see like Prime or Disney Plus or whoever the fuck picking up the copyright for pennies, you know, spending far less than they do on a show like The Witcher or Jack Reacher or um, yeah, what have you on uh, or Falcon and Winter Soldier, and get essentially the same kind of outcry of, or not outcry, but like the same call and satisfaction from fans. Right. Oh yeah. Thundercats has like deeper, much like a much longer history compared to, you know, young justice, maybe not young justice. Cause it's got like teen Titans influences and those go back to the right. Disease, but like compared to like after the last airbender or, um, you know, uh, the witcher even, which is still, which is yeah. most the fan base is there outside of Poland and other parts of Eastern Europe. Most of, its history is still rooted in or fame is rooted in the video game. Yeah. And and that's the thing with properties that have, and, and that's, I think that's the one thing about these revival shows that we're, we've been talking about or these shows that could be revived is that they really do have a built-in fan yeah. base that is clamoring for it and is ready to invest in it yeah. again. And they, and, and I think that's what, ha that's what um, these studios have a chance to capitalize on is a fan base that did not get the satisfaction of the endings yeah. they wanted. They didn't get to say goodbye to the characters the way they, they wanted yeah. to. Like in Young and Justice alone, Young Justice was not nearly, I know for a fact Thundercats is more well, is not maybe is more well known and more popular when it comes to nerddom than Young Justice. Mm -hmm. And Young Justice at its peak, I think there were like nine, nine million unique signatures on a, uh, uh, on a, on a petition to bring it back. I yeah. mean, the other thing is like, you know, one one thing that I didn't mention in terms of um, things that didn't really get an ending or haven't gotten an ending so far is, do you know, do you guys know the game Shenmue? No. Um, the no. original one came out for the Dreamcast uh, back in like 99 or 2000, and they did a sequel. And three. then, pardon? I was three. Right, I know. But you might have heard it <laughs> later on. Um Anyways, so and then and then you know just after the second one, there were there were I think there were plans for I know there were plans for multiple games, maybe even as many as five or six, and then for like you know fifteen years there was nothing. The fans you know fans were were saying you know we want to know how the story ends, we want to see how the story continues, and then I guess it was twenty fifteen where the creator came out and he started a Kickstarter, and um, you know uh, I, I think he got more than the amount of money he he needed to to, to fund the game. Um, or he, he, he definitely reached his goal or I, you know, I, I think a lot of people donated very quickly as well. And, um, yeah, then they came out with a third one in like, in like 2018. So, I mean, you know, when you've got that, that, you know, that kind of fan base, that's that interested in seeing a story continue. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, it's definitely possible, uh, to see return to the world. When you think about shows like this, I think ultimately, or not shows really, when they do things like that, I think a lot of the time, sometimes they may be assessing interest. But I have two things that come to mind immediately when I think about that, like, and to see if there is interest in it. Like with Young Justice, it was the comics. With Avatar and the Lords and Decora, it was the co it was comics as well. Um, and like the backlash of the movie, and like sort of how it's almost fits over fifteen years later, and people still love Avatar. Um, you know, Prince of Persia is getting a remaster slash like sort of soft remake from Ubisoft. 
um, that is and like that is them assessing interest in the in like people. Like if we we'll spend pennies, make a make ten million, a hundred million dollars, whatever the fuck it is, and then oh, if there's if there's a if there's someone there, there's people there who will buy it. We can make that game. Uh, it's the same yeah. thing with um. It's the same thing with like uh, so you bring up Kickstarter. That's what reminded me. Critical Role. They did a they did a Kickstarter for making an animated series. They wanted to make a twenty two minute animated special. It would cost them, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. They ended up making eleven million dollars on the Kickstarter. So they're making they're going to make one season. Wow. Amazon heard about it and they had gone to Amazon and Netflix and Hulu and all the others and they were like, we're not interested. They weren't going to fund it, so they were going to do it themselves through Kickstarter. Yeah. Amazon saw this. And they they never really got past the first wave of like vetting, and Amazon was like, okay, we'll do it. So they agreed to distribute it and fund a second season, right? Something wow. something like Kickstarter, you're set, you're basically able to assess interest before you actually invest, which is why Kickstarter is genius. If you know no one's gonna fuck you, and you know I've only been fucked once on Kickstarter out of like fifteen Kickstarters I've given to, so that's pretty good. Um, so I think like you know. Unlike Rankin Bass, I think Rankin Bass is now defunct, if I recall correctly. Yes. Um, yes. Which is why Nickelodeon was producing the new Thundercats. Yeah. So, and they, well, I think they on, the right on, to on, uh, Thundercats was airing on Cartoon Network, the 2011 one, and I believe the license is held yes. by um, reruns of, and or on Adult Swim's Toonami. Uh, so like, I'm not surprised. And Adult Swim is Cartoon Network, so like, and is Cartoon Network on Cartoon Network is on my Nickelodeon? Is that right? Well, when I watched the series, it was um, it was Nickelodeon based. Like I was watching it on the Nickelodeon website when it was it was coming out weekly. Well, it's, I think I think Nickelodeon is Cartoon Network is Warner Brothers, and Nickelodeon is Viacom CBS. Uh, but yeah, going back to going back to Thundercats, I think it had it it there was a lot of lost potential uh, to to the money makers um of the, or to the business side of it so i i that's that's why it's my number one i wish netflix would go on their twitters and be like if you had a choice between these three shows which one would you bring back and i wish they would just do polls like that rather than fans having to try to convince them i mean i think after this episode i'm just going to create an image uh with the thundercat logo and the netflix n and the little dreamworks animated uh, thing and I'm just gonna leave that online and see what happens. <laughs> I think, like, yeah, animation. Ultimately, I think like we just keep going back to the same thing. Animation is awesome and make more cartoons. Yeah. Like the very fact that like we still talk about Avatar: Last Airbender and Young Justice and Thundercats and you know, so, Beyond. And Beyond, you know. But think like the yeah. most recent of those things ended ten or I'm not counting Young Justice and Young Justice Outsiders. Because it was, it is, it is different enough. It's not like doesn't have the same style. It's a little more. Mm -hmm. um, the the animation style there's a, the, there's a lot. The, the frame rate is much lower. There is less work to make outsiders compared to Invasion and the original season. That's not degrade denigrating the thing. It's just it's just a fact. You know the the, the animation style is simpler. They're making they're producing it differently and cheaper, and they want it because they want to make the same amount, if not more. Um, but I don't talk about season three the same way I talk about season one and two, you know. I don't talk about Legend of Korra the same way I talk about Avatar: Last Airbender. And the most recent of these three shows we're talking about ended like eight or nine or ten years ago. And I mean that's the key. I mean the only shows that should be 
um, that should come back are ones where there's still a lot of story potential, story, story potential on the table, you know, just because you want it, you want to see more in that world. If there's really no story to be told, um, yeah. you're actually probably going to do more harm That's to the legacy of that property than, than if you just kind of left it alone. Yeah. Here, here. That is a fantastic point, Matt. I really do hate, um, shows that are resurrected for the sake of yeah. resurrection. Uh, so yeah, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Harmonica Brothers Variety Show.